Well, good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, whatever applies to you uh, the best and the most, and most personally, this is Sip, Smoke, and Savor. It's the radio program that's all about craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars. And we're so glad to have you here. We're so glad to just be standing after the Whiskey's of the World event, which we uh, attended last weekend in downtown Houston and had a blast. I didn't get done with that until kind of late at night. Yeah. Now, I had a party that I had to head back for. Imagine that. Like I had to go from the Whiskey's of the World to a party, right? Uh, but yes, I didn't get to stay as long as you did. So, uh, so we want to talk about that a little bit and get your get your take on these things and on these kind of whiskey festivals in general. Like these things generally are in the one hundred to one hundred forty dollar ticket price range. Is it worth it? Is it worth writing a check for one hundred and forty bucks or twice that if you're taking a wife or date? Uh, do you, in other words, do you get your money's worth out of these? So I want to ask you your take on that uh, coming up on the show a little, in a little okay, bit. So okay. yeah, so yeah, hold that, hold that thought because we got a lot to do today. Uh, from Whiskeys of the World, uh, our special guest who we talked to there will be uh, playing this segment back, Mr. Craig Vaughn, the master. Of scotch, master of scotch from Glen Levitt. Yes, and uh, he poured us some Glen Levitt that kind of blew my mind. Yeah, to be honest. That was it was really, really nice. good. Uh, so we'll get into that. We'll do. We did a tasting in that segment. We uh, also so learned we'll talk, a lot about, about new. That. Yes, we learned a lot about new trends in scotch, like the NAS label, which yes. is the no age stamp label. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. Which the scotch companies are getting very creative in some of their marketing, and that's mm-hmm. where some of this stuff is coming from. Some in some well, the traditional scotch marketing has always been about age. Mm-hmm. Is it the eight year is it the 12 year the you know the 17 year whatever and uh, now they're saying that there's the new trend is more about just how good is the scotch right you know and and sometimes it's more aged sometimes it's less aged or what kind of barrel is it aged in not so much how long it was in in terms of the way they market it now all these things obviously affect the taste but just in terms of the way that that they marketed. And it kind of reminded me of uh, when we had Ian from Grateful Dane uh, Rum Distillery on, and he was just talking about, you know, taking the rum as it comes out of the distillate and not aging it at all. Well, a lot of rum... Like, you know, your basic silver your basic is less silver, than right. two months old. Exactly. It, it has to be. I learned that from... Uh, or it can't be silver. Is that is that right? Right, right. Or mm-hmm. it becomes uh, the next level, and I'll have to go through and figure out what all those words are. But We should definitely have a rum show soon and have some rum experts on to really, really educate us. Because I, I would like to know more. I love rum, and I love uh, all different kinds of rum, from the silvers all the way to the, you know, the añejos that are that, you know, just aged impeccably. And uh, But um, we should definitely do a rum show. I, that, I think that we sounds should. good to me. And and also a vodka and martini show, which we'll talk about, too. But on today's show, it's all about scotch from or, Glenn Levitt and Mr. Craig Vaughn. Or so. gin and martini. I just want to Ooh, point that out. Oh, you know, we got to talk about that, too. Uh, also, coming up on the show today, uh, we'll do a little bit of beer tasting. The Dogfish Head Pumpkin Ale will be tasted. And I am excited about cracking this baby open. I like Dogfish Head. Dogfish Head is usually pretty extreme in everything they do. But and they I make like really, that about them. But they make really good stuff. Uh, there's some breweries that I feel like when they go to their extreme, when they do their 
triple uh, IPA or their, you know, uh, double imperial stout. Like, it's just about trying to overpower you. With Dogfish Head, it always feels like they're going for a flavor first. And that getting there is part of how they, you know, add the extra punch. I think punch the biggest difference with Dogfish Head is Dogfish Head isn't trying to be extreme. Dogfish Head is <laughs> like they're they're not trying to do anything extreme. It's just that what they come up with is always that level. Well, I will say this: the weird, evil-looking robot scarecrow, Day of the Dead, creepy Halloween creature on the label. Pretty much accomplishes what they're going. For. I would have bought that just seeing that <laughs> yeah. myself, oh, yeah, and absolutely. I haven't seen that label yet, or I'd have I'd have come in with it and been like, "Hey, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely." So we'll taste that. We're also uh, going to be uh, talking about a couple of interesting things in the news. Now we've teased this in the past couple of weeks, and we haven't gotten to it. We will get to it today. Does sound affect the taste of beer? And if so, how does that apply to Wu Tang infused beer? We will get to that uh, story. Plus, yeah, if we don't talk about that, yeah. I'm going to explode. Plus, we'll talk about beer cocktails and the new trend towards alcohol-free alcohol. Will it replace what, what? we know and love by 2050? Some experts say yes. What? Uh, so well, that's all going to be coming up. Yeah, that's what I said. What? Uh, so that's all coming up on the show today. Ian, did you smoke anything interesting this week? I did. Actually, I, uh, I went and hung out with some friends last night. And uh, I oh had, yeah, I saw that you because you texted me some uh, cigar porn last night. Did you see the size of that ashtray? Yeah, it was awesome. That that ashtray has seven or eight uh, uh, places for cigars. So we around will it. post this photo, and on it's the Facebook probably page. like a foot and a half in diameter. Now they, don't they call that a, a big stinky or an old I think stinky? So yeah, 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 that's what they call that. It's it's a metal ashtray that's really almost the size of a mixing bowl. Yeah, with oh, the little uh, at cigar least. steps a, a, along the outside, at like least. four. Yeah, it, it like intimidated four me, and I was envious of it <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> I love that. That's fantastic. Uh, so. But yeah, you sent me that, and it looked like uh, to the best of my, you know. Uh, uh, visual scanning recognition that you were enjoying my favorite beer in the world, which is the uh, Lone Pint, um, uh, the Yellow Rose. The Yellow Rose, That's yes. right. I sent that specifically to make you jealous. Actually, you did, and and it worked. <laughs> Let me tell you, I was like. That bastard! I can't believe because I really like Yellow Rose, <laughs> yeah. but you really love Yellow oh, Rose. Oh, it, it's honestly it, at this moment in time, and this may change in a week or two. But at this moment in time, that is my favorite beer in the world. Like I love it. So uh, I had the Yellow Rose. The picture that I sent you actually, I had the Yellow Rose, and I had it with a uh, with a Casada Oktoberfest cigar. Oh, now you have been um, smoking a few Casadas lately. I yes. have. I'm not going to review that one because okay. the one that I had after that. Oh. Along with the uh, with the uh, Deanston Scotch, <laughs> which we'll have to talk about at a later date. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the one that I had after that was actually a Room One Hundred and One San Andreas. Now I like Room One Hundred and One. I will say that. Right, and the one that I had was the Churchill, which was a seven by forty eight. Uh, which is a pretty nice size cigar. It's a little uh, smaller than a... That's actually one of my favorite sizes. Yeah. just about a 48, 49 ring gauge. Right. It's a little smaller yeah. ring gauge, and uh, and the cigar itself is it's a pretty long cigar because it's seven inches long. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a solid medium cigar. This okay. is a Honduras cigar, um, San Andreas Corojo wrapper. Um, and uh, I really liked it. It had such a great toothy feel, kind of a leathery... Like moist, leathery kind of wrapper mm-hmm. to it that was really nice. It had a lot of uh, like earthy notes to it. I love that kind of. I cigar. picked up almost yeah. a little bit of uh, a little bit of vanilla in the flavor, a little bit of um, a little bit of uh, toast almost, mm-hmm. and a little nutty kind of flavor from it. I really enjoyed it. The first third of the cigar, 
Uh, it lit up. It was a it was a very mild cigar when I lit it actually, which mm-hmm. is a little opposite from a lot of cigars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I lit it, and uh, uh, after about the first half inch of the cigar, it developed into a really nice full flavor. Uh, mm. Well, medium flavor, medium but full, a big yeah. flavor, nice big smoke. Um, the second third of the cigar uh, stayed almost exactly the same. It was almost exactly the same through this. The only downside to this is mine went out twice. And I couldn't smoke the last third because it was definitely a penalty for the relight the mm. first time. And by the second time, I wasn't really uh, willing to accept that penalty. Now, what? Uh, but two thirds of that cigar was worth the entire was price. Was worth of the, the entire price. How much yeah. did it cost? Do you remember? Uh, that cigar, I think, was in the uh, six to seven dollar okay, range. So that's it wasn't bad. a real yeah. pricey cigar, yeah. but I will say two thirds of that cigar was definitely worth the price of the cigar. I'd give it a solid five to six on the on the price, price versus quality, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, scale. Okay. Like what have it. you had this week? Uh, I had something that I'd never smoked before. Uh, it's called the Boss, the, the Boss. Boss Classic Toro. That's saying There's, something. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. There's basically three sizes in the Boss line. There's a a, a Churchill, there's a Robusto, and a Toro, which is like the, the in this case a a longer Robusto, basically. Gotcha. And so, uh, so I had the Toro, and uh, just like you're implying, if you call your cigar the Boss, you pretty much got to deliver. And I have to tell you, this one. Really did fantastic. It's a Brazilian wrapper, uh, Peruvian, Nicaraguan, and Dominican fillers. I did look this up. It doesn't say that on the uh, on the band, but I was like, I wonder what what kind of juicy cocktail are they using right, here? Right. Uh, so I so I went and looked it up online. But um, it was a medium bodied cigar. It was perfectly constructed. Never went out. Never burned crooked. Just absolutely perfect. I love and that. that's a big deal to me because even some of my very favorite cigars. Just burn a little crooked sometimes. You have to either you know you touch to them up them. or tend to them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it was delicious. Uh, coffee flavors, wood, maybe even a little dried fruit. It, it was. I will say this: it was an amazing flavor. A little harder to identify the flavors. Like I didn't just sit there and go, complex "Oh, flavor. caramel!" You know what I mean? Like it wasn't right. like that. You know, uh, but it was. It, it was the best cigar I've had in a while. Wow! Uh, it's about a ten dollars cigar, but even so, it's good enough. I'd give it about an eight on the uh, price to quality wow. uh, ratio. It, it was that enjoyable. Uh, if this were a six dollar cigar, I'd probably give it a nine. Nice. That's you know nice. that's how that's how good I thought the cigar was. So I'll have to try one. So of those. enjoyed it very much. So all right, we have a lot to talk about on the show, and uh, our special guest Craig Vaughn, the master of Scotch from Glen Levitt, will be joining us in one of the next segments from our Whiskies of the World show that we were at. Uh, so coming up, let's talk about sound. Does it affect the taste of beer? And let's do our first beer tasting. It's sip, smoke, and savor. <laughs> Welcome back to Sip, Smoke, and Savor. My name is Cruz. My co-host is Ian Barry. I don't think I introduced us at the beginning of the show, by the way. I don't think I, I uh, told people who you were, and I think it's That's important. okay. I'm here no matter I think what. It's important to tell people who you are because you're like you're uh, Ian. Ian is is not only you know he's a an accomplished musician. He's a builder of guitars. Uh, he's you know an all around sort of Renaissance man when it comes to this type of thing. <laughs> but I will also tell you, he's one of the damn best drinking buddies you could ever ask. I have for. a very specific set of skills. You do, and you use them uh, well, and and you endear yourself to people because of them. It's, <laughs> yeah, I just try to do what I can. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I went to Ian's wedding. 
when I really had just gotten to know him. And I remember, I may have told the story on the show before, but I remember going to the wedding and I turned around and said to my wife, who was uh, my girlfriend at the time, I said, this is the best beer I have ever had at a wedding. <laughs> this guy knows what's going on. I had two <laughs> kegs actually of um, of the Goliad Gold Nail. Oh, it was so good at oh. my wedding. So my buddy Mark uh, helped me out with that because you know there's that feeling that you have when you're holding the plastic cup and you're holding the little plastic spigot, you know, that's coming from from the keg. And, you know, I went to college. I know what's about to happen. I'm about to have some really crappy beer, uh, but hopefully it'll be cold and and it'll have that sort of like down it fast sort of college feeling. So I pour the beer out of this and then I take a sip of it and I turn to Mary and I said, this is amazing. What is going on here? This guy knows what's going on. I had it iced from the night before. Yeah. And I salted the ice. So it was really oh, cold. Oh, you're the man. Yeah. You're the man. <laughs> I salted ice. <laughs> and so when I got there, and I had a friend of mine bring me a uh, tap set up, which didn't match what the kegs had. So, so I actually had to MacGyver. If you'd have seen me a half hour before you got there, me MacGyvering this whole setup with basically duct tape a screwdriver and my pocket knife but i made it work but so you're that's the thing what people may who listen to the show may not know about you is that you are you kind of are the macgyver of guitars i mean you're (laughs) you're a man who can take these things and construct them reconstruct them repair them restore them so it's sort of like if i were ever trapped in a building you know, and there was a bomb about to go off, and it was somehow in a guitar. You would be the guy I want. I would be. You'd be the guy I'd want to be there with that the could take care of it. So, where is uh, this conversation going? I love I this. Don't, I don't know. Oh, uh, so uh, so I will say this: we we've talked about the beer from your wedding, and it has me absolutely thirsty to taste a beer. So let's let's uh, let's go ahead and do one of our beer tastings here in this segment. You ready? Ooh, that was a good one. That was a good one. Now, we recorded, I haven't heard all of the segments back from Whiskeys of the World, but we did try to record a few good whiskey sound effects at the event, and so uh, of the opening of the bottle and whatnot. So we'll see how all of that came out. But it should be, uh, it should be very interesting. We're about to sample. Uh, this is a beer that I brought in, and I saw it actually. I was in, uh, I was in my favorite little specs. Have you, have you been to the specs that's on? Uh, uh, memorial. That's the drive. tiniest specs known it's, to man. Th- it is. It's about the size of the studio, and I don't know how they pack so much stuff in yeah. there. And I was stopped. I was driving on the way back home. I stopped in there. They're always so friendly. They got specs radio pumped up, nice and loud. In they there. have to be friendly because you're standing right next to them, <laughs> even if you're on the other side of the store. Also, more so than any other specs employees of any of the other stores, they have to bathe. They really have to because <laughs> it's too small of a of a of a place. I won't go in there if I didn't take a shower that day because I'm too self conscious. Uh, but anyway, I was in there and. I spotted this. Uh, uh, it's the Dogfish Head Pumpkin Ale, and you and I have talked about Dogfish Head a lot. They're from Maryland, and they really are one of the. I would say for the East Coast, they're one of the real sort of pioneers of craft brewing, especially when it comes to the little bit stronger, higher alcohol content ales and uh, and porters. Dogfish Head is one of my favorite breweries for a couple reasons. One is uh, they're ridiculous. Like yeah. everything they do is over the top. They mm-hmm. don't put out anything that they don't go that needs to be out there. Yeah. You know, they don't put out <laughs> they've never made to my knowledge, they've never made a beer strictly to sell beer. Right. Like they've made beers that they really like. They've made beers that are over the top and they're good. They do that as well. And uh, I've always been a fan. I think that they're uh they're um 
Oh, they're oh, I'm, they're brown ales. Oh, they're brown ales. Yeah, it's very yeah, it's very good. absolutely fantastic. Their IPAs are fantastic. IPAs they're ninety are minute IPAs. The ninety minute is that's a standard. Beer. Well, yeah, that yeah. hits that hits a mark that's hard to even touch unless you're Stone or someone who's really mm-hmm. that good at uh, at IPAs. They're pumpkin ale, pumpkin ale. Pumpkin sorry, ale. Yep. there's no uh, M in there. Pumpkin ale. I just had a sip of it. Is I not am. sweet. Haven't tasted it. It is yet. actually um, not bitter. Uh, but it's not sweet. It's very beer-like, and it has a very pumpkin flavor. It has actually more pumpkin spice than pumpkin, you uh, like on the nose. Yes. But when you take a sip, you get that pumpkin finish, almost like not like oh, that's not very like pumpkin pie, but more like a pumpkin soup. If you've ever had a good pumpkin uh-huh. soup, it's yes. delicious. By yes. the way, or or like a uh, <clears throat> what are those um, like pumpkin ravioli, right? Uh, in a right. cream sauce, like exactly. that kind of a vibe. It says on the bottle here. And I need to correct myself about um, Dogfish Head, but I'll get to that in a second. It says on the bottle that pumpkin ale is a full-bodied brown brewed with real pumpkin, brown sugar, allspice, cinnamon, and nutmeg. And I can taste all of those yeah, flavors. The brown this. sugar is very prevalent. Well, their Indian brown ale, uh, it, it tastes like they started kind of with that idea and mm-hmm. then went pumpkin with it. And and their Indian brown ale is one of my favorites, too. So, um, But, yeah, this is, this is quite drinkable. This is probably... Uh, uh, we tried that uh, really, pumpkin massacre. Yes. this might be next on my list as far as favorite pumpkin beers. Right this now. really says autumn to me. Yeah, like it really sort of makes you feel like okay, we've arrived at that time of the this year. This is not a dessert like beer. This is a no. very drinkable. Like I could sit down and drink a bottle or two of this mm-hmm. instead of let's just split a bottle of this very sweet pumpkin beer. Yep, and this comes in the four packs. By the way, is how this right, is sold. Right. And uh, I wanted to correct myself on Dogfish Head because I have said on the show I think more than one. Once, probably like three or four times uh, that they're from uh, Maryland. They're actually not. The reason I thought that is uh, I lived in Maryland outside of Washington, D.C. Uh, for about three years, and there was the Dogfish Head. Uh, there was one of their breweries there, and I actually thought it was the first one, so I thought that was where they were from. But according to the bottle, they're actually from Milton, Delaware. So oh. uh, Delaware is not that big of a state. It's about Roughly twice the size of our studio here, and it's just it's right. just a very small place. So, but I didn't know that was where they were originally from. But in that sort of Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, um, you know, Maryland area, there's a lot of presence for Dogfish Head, and they're really very much appreciated. We could just refer to those as the first thirteen, right? I, I suppose they are. They're certainly part of the first thirteen. <laughs> yes. So, uh, well, I, I think this is really good, and I have to say. Uh, pumpkin ales kind of fall for me into that space of I like them, but they're a thing I like to taste more than they're a thing I like to drink. And I could. I could sit down to watch the football game and have a couple of these. Well, yeah, and I, I agree. What's what's interesting about this one is it's not a I'll split a glass with you. It's I mm-hmm. can have a glass or two of mm-hmm. this beer, uh, which is different because totally most pumpkin ales have so much sweetness to them. Um, not all. I mean, we had that, like I said, that Pumpkin Massacre I've mentioned uh, already earlier. That was a really good beer. That was so good. Yeah. Uh, and I could split a bomber of that. But this is something that's a little more sessionable, uh-huh. I think. A little more sessionable. You're absolutely um, right. And, but that that also, that Pumpkin Massacre, I think, is number one pumpkin ale in my head. This will be have to be number I two be and number sessionable, two. Yep. which means, you know, probably going to get some more. I like it. And let's do that. Uh, coming up in our next segment, our special guest, Craig Vaughn, the master of scotch from Glen Levitt. Uh, we talked to Craig at Whiskeys of the World. We're going to play that back for you in our next segment. That guy's and awesome. He was awesome and really brought some. It's kind amazing. of a James Bond vibe about him, he too. He really did. He had that, like, sort of like international man of mystery thing going on, <laughs> he didn't he? Did. Um, uh, you know, I mentioned this 
uh, at the top of the show, but what is your take on uh, an event like Whiskeys of the World? You show up, you pay, uh, you know, between 100 140 bucks for a ticket, depending on what you buy and when you bought it. Um, and you get to walk around, sample some scotch, uh, do a, is that is that worth it? Like, like just you as a consumer. Let me ask you a question. feel like you got your money's worth? If you walk into a bar that has great scotch, yep, okay, yep. and you look up there and you say, hey, I haven't tried that, mm-hmm. and it's your standard, say, a 12 or 10-year-old or, or sure. something just along those lines, you're going to pay $10. At least. Maybe 12 right. or 15 Most you know, places, you're going to pay are. $10. Yep. Yep. So how many do you get to try before you get to that $160 VIP mark? Mm, I see you what know? you're getting at. Yes. Whereas yes. when we went to Whiskey's of the World... There's so many. Not only do you not only do you get to try there, more than sixteen different distilleries. I mean, each distillery has several varieties yeah, available to say. Can have yeah. you know anywhere from one to seven varieties or something like that that you get to sit there and try. And you're taking small tries. But the nice thing about that is you don't have to go buy. First off, a bottle of every one, mm-hmm. which I can't afford. Exactly. You, you know, know, some of these bottles, in fact, it's, it's like, and I was thinking about this actually after Whiskeys of the World. I was like, okay, I definitely want to buy a bottle of something that I really enjoyed at Whiskeys of the World, and that'll be my next scotch for the house. And I'm sorry, you know, you start thinking about it, this is an investment almost. It's not like, it's not like a casual, it's not like getting a six pack of, of really good beer. It's more like, okay, if I'm going to spend, Sixty dollars, maybe you know, on a uh, a really uh, you know decent bottle of scotch. Like, where am I going to go? So, there's no way you would be able to try that many different kinds and varieties. There are some things we try that I can go, hey, that was interesting, but I wouldn't buy a bottle of that. I right. can definitely narrow my choices right. down and go, this is what really lit well, me up. Well, it's very you easy. Know? If, you, if you pay $160 for the VIP at a, uh, at a, an event like that, you get to go in and try, and you make sure you're the first person in there. Mm-hmm. You get to go and try like the Ladybird 42. That costs more than your car. Yes, Absolutely. And you get to try it. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, there's no even if you hate it, you get to say I tried that. We started this whole show <laughs> just to try something like that. That's right. And eventually we will. So That's right. So how much does how much does a half a dram of that cost? How right. much does a half ounce uh, uh or even just like the tiniest bit of that cost? Yeah. So there you go. I think I, it's totally I, worth I, it. I agree. I think it's totally worth it. I would totally buy a ticket. I would totally go again and in fact, let's do that uh next year. Coming up in the next segment, uh Craig Vaughn, the Master of Scotch from Glen Levitt. We talked to him at Whiskeys of the World. He is an interesting international man of mystery. He knows his scotch, <laughs> and we try some really, really good whiskey. Next, Sip, Smoke, and Savor. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor. We are uh, live at the Whiskeys of the World whiskey event in Houston, downtown Houston. And we want to welcome to the program a gentleman who has a title that I guarantee your school counselor was completely derelict in their duties and did not tell you was available <laughs> this as a vocation. Is, this is this is Master, Master of, of Scotch, Scotch Mr. Scotch, Craig even better. from Glen Levitt. Uh, Craig, welcome aboard. Fellas, thanks for having me here. And tell me, now, your company, you're with Pernod Ricard, so yes. you're, uh, we're going to talk about Glen Levitt. What other whiskeys are you involved in? What other well, beverages with, are you involved in? Yeah, with Pernod, you know, we've got, uh, we've got a vodka, we've got an Irish, we've got some fantastic brands out there. But, you know, in the Scotch portfolio, it's Chivas Regal. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Royal Salute is an offshoot of Chivas Regal. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Glen Levitt, Aberlauer. Scapa, one from way up in the Orkney Islands, um, are all my brands as well. So 
you've got to you know spend a little time tasting, a little time uh, understanding, and, yes. and and a little time talking to people like us to sort of talk about the differences between. Now, one of the things I I was over at your booth a little bit earlier, I didn't realize there were that many different iterations of Glen Levitt. Yes. So talk talk about that a little bit. The differences and there's now. How many of these? Uh, the Nadura. Uh, uh, yeah, there's uh, three, the three different ones available now. Right, we've got a full lineup of Ladura, of Nadura now, and um, I guess you know the important thing to remember about Glenlivet is we have different expressions of Glenlivet. Um, the the first thing I think that consumers look at is that number, and they judge it by the number. Oh, this one's better because <laughs> right. it's higher. It's got to be that, right? Yeah. But 18's got to be better than 17, right? right. You know, <laughs> age gives you smoothness, definitely. Yes. But with Glenlivet, each one of our different marks, each different expression is really defined by what type of oak did we age it in and what was in that yeah. cask beforehand, what seasoned that cask. And, and I just want to point out, too, that your 12-year-old, your you're basically, I guess, uh, bottom line is a benchmark. I mean, that's a fantastic exactly. to begin with. Number one selling single malt on the earth. So wow. nothing right. yeah. outsells us. Um, and, of course, you know, that, that's a big, big deal when you're talking about volume. But, you know, we also want what everybody else wants, some craft, too. Right. You right. know, and we've got a few of uh, new innovations as well. So, so with that as your benchmark... Where do you go from there? What sh- so you say, okay, now we want to really step into the craft thing. What's, what's the best plan to put together something where you go, hey, this is for you people who are fans of the artisan craft. Right. You want to really get something that is right in there. Where do you go? Well, you know, it, the more bottles of 12-year-old you sell, the more warehouse space you can dedicate <laughs> and time and money yeah. to maybe right. putting aside some 25-year-old. Mm-hmm. You know, we just released a 50-year-old Glenlivet. Wow. So you have to imagine the first the first 40 years, you're losing 2% of your cask each and every year, and then it tapers off dramatically from there. So there is a little bit after 50 years of whiskey in the cask. And how many bottles of that did you release? Uh, I, actually, I'm not sure, but I'm told two are coming to Texas. So that kind of puts go. it wow. into scope right there. You well, know, only two throw bottles. We will a parade if any of them are coming in our general That's direction. That's right. right. So <laughs> we're good like that. So, you know, we want to make a great product as our base, but that also we want to experiment a little bit. We want right. to get creative. And there are so many things that we never hear about, even me being, you know, in the know with the with the distillery. There are so many different things that are tried and never released or never bottled um, that, you know, could be the next fun innovation. Um, but quality first Every single mark of Glenlivet starts out the same day one. Mm-hmm. One distillate. Okay, we've got 14 stills, but we make one distillate, one distillate. Okay. and then the cask really takes over that, from there. That was there. actually wow. going to be my next question. You yeah. You got it. So. Yeah. So um, I'm going to jump right ahead here. What are we tasting first? Well, I'll tell Forgive you what. For being eager. But, what you know. I'm excited about, yeah, you know. <laughs> In this day and age of uh, what we call NAS, no age statement whiskeys, um, mm-hmm. I guess supply and demand are miles apart right now right. in the marketplace. You got to think, you know, people do forecasts in their business, um, but who forecasts 18 years down the road to know what your sales are? So right, right. in the whiskey business, we, we all ran into that, everybody in this room. So we released a no age statement whiskey that's not about the number, it's about the cask, and this is high usage of American oak ex-bourbon first fill cask. First fill meaning 
The bourbon guys can only legally, by their own laws, use it one time, right? Right. But in Scotland, we're a little more thrifty than that, so we'll buy up those ex-bourbon casks and we'll use them three times. Interesting. Which is kind of, think of it like a tea bag. The first mm-hmm. time you use it, you get the full flavor. The second time, if you put a little more hot water on mm-hmm. it, it's a little lighter and then lighter. Right, right. Same thing with these casks. So this is uh, a high volume of first fill. Gives us that honey, that vanilla, that I, butterscotch. I smell that honey right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I haven't even tried it yet, but I can yeah. smell the honey. You're right. Just That's the right first thing the on the nose is the honey. Isn't that nice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's big. Wow. It's big. Yes, I like that. So with this, it's about the flavor and the smoothness and, yeah, you know, the price you're going to be happy with as well, right, in the $40 range. So So. with the Founders Reserve, I know you're not talking about the amount of aging, but is there like a general thing you can tell us how how long this uh, this bottle's likely been aged? That's a great question, and the answer is definitely no. Of course, you know, Cruz... That we, that's why we, don't, we want to make sure we're saying it's not important. It is important when we're managing those casks. It's not important that we release how long each cask held the whiskey. There may be some casks that we use that were several months shorter than, the, right. than other casks. So you're then distilling, and, and it's really all about trying to achieve a particular flavor then exactly so yes you're thank you yes taste for that right absolutely so and it doesn't matter whether it's a shorter uh, aging time or a longer aging time when you get to the exact flavor that the master distiller wants right boom it's ready and you know it's a conspiracy of nature i always like to remind people of that and mother nature has a hand in this and when she says it's ready it's ready so this is interesting because you're uh the heat on this that, that shows up after you swallow is way in the back of the throat. It's, it's almost none up front. It's very smooth up front. Right. Lots of mm-hmm. flavor up right, front right. and then Lots a little. Lots of the vanilla. Lots of sweet, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, You're this right. is sweeter than uh, um, the 12-year-old because I'm, I'm very familiar with 12-year-olds. So I'll keep coming back. It's sweeter than a 12-year-old, too. Yes. Yeah. I have to say that I really, really like this. Yeah, so I this like this is, as well. This is, to my palate, exactly what I'm looking for uh, oh, great. in scotch. It's, it's the... The sweetness up front, I want, I want the heat, but I like it in the, on the back that way. Like that totally works for me. And the lingering sort of honey and vanilla, yeah. that's that mm-hmm. just totally works. And for the me. honey and vanilla speaks to me that we're we're gonna have a nice, nice uh, medium to mild Connecticut wrapper kind of. There you go, oh, something like yeah, sure, yeah, 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 absolutely, right? absolutely. I think it Although I could I could see this with maybe. Uh, Maybe like a, a medium-bodied uh, something, you know, something with a little Maduro sweetness to it, perhaps. I Maybe. can see that, you know. And we found, you know, in this day and age of mixology, we have found uh, that this is a very mixable Scotch whiskey. Interesting. Okay. So, how is that something that is becoming more prevalent? Is people doing cocktails, doing mixers with a sort of a higher quality single malt uh, Scotch versus using a blended whiskey? I think so. Yeah. I think in the in the mixology bars mm-hmm. out there, you know, it's craft, it's quality. Right. Um, there's a breaking point on everything, but they're they're more willing to use higher quality Scotch whiskeys um, in a few drinks mm-hmm. on the list. Of course, of course. I think it's going to matter too if you're using fresh ingredients for your mixers rather than a pre-made out of a bag mixer and those kind of exactly. Things. Good yeah, point. That's good that's point. Make a big mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have to say, that's very impressive. I like it very much. This is your first time to have this, Ian? That's my first yeah. time to have that. That's, I like it. That's like quite it. That's, nice. That's working. That is totally so. working. Well, uh, tell us a little bit while 
uh, we've got you here about um, about these three different iterations of the Nadura. Uh, Ian was saying that he'd, I've, he'd had one of the original... Uh, I discovered the Nadura. I think it had a red label originally, uh, the, maybe. Yeah, the original Nadura we bottled at 16 years. And right. what was interesting about that is Mother Nature, after 16 years, is going to give you a raw distillate of different range of, uh, of strength. So that was coming in at about... 54 to 57 yeah, percent right, alcohol right. after 16 years uh real winner you know i really enjoyed it i mean that one was particularly good and usually i don't use ice but it was particularly good with a cube of ice mm-hmm. you let it melt in and then warm back up and all the flavors just really came out in that one yeah i That's really like that one that. a light tropical just enjoyable floral whiskey almost yeah, absolutely which, which was unusual because i don't usually think floral when i think glenn levitt you know, I think like when I smell the twelve-year-old, I smell the apples, and this I smell the the uh, uh, vanilla and honey mm-hmm. big mm-hmm. time. So it's very interesting. So how do these different versions of the Nadura? How do they differ? Well, like I said, you know, it's one distillate that makes up all of ours. Of course, think of it this way: you know, it comes out of the still at a very high proof, out of these copper pot stills. Mm-hmm. Um, we're bottling normally at forty percent alcohol, so mm-hmm. we simply cut it with distilled water, bring mm-hmm. it down to forty percent, and bottle it. Now, with these, we're just bottling them at their natural strength. Nadura meaning natural. We let Mother Nature decide. These are all at or about 60% alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, So very high uh, in alcohol content. But think of it this way. If we're going to take this high alcohol content, we're going to cut it to 40% alcohol. Science tells us at 48%, there's a threshold there. When we go below 48%, our distillate's going to break up and be very cloudy. Mm -hmm. So there's these natural fatty acids in the distillate that reveal themselves at either low temperatures or lower strengths. Interesting. So what we're going to do is we're going to take these casks, we are going to put them in a giant vat, we're going to bring the temperature down almost to freezing, we're going to chill, filter that distillate, the fatty acids, the oils will come to the surface, we filter those right out of there. It's been chilled and filtered. Think of those modern whiskeys as a good filet mignon. Right. Uh With these Naduras, we're leaving the fat in there. This is more like a good porterhouse. Right, right. Any chef in the room will tell you fat is flavor. So, yes, this is your big uh, bone in. This is your big ribeye. This is your big porterhouse, definitely. Well, very, very good stuff. The Glen Levitt uh, Founders Reserve uh, and the Glen Levitt Nadura. And these, I think my advice is going to be just... Try several of them. And, well, yeah, and, we have three. Yeah. They're each aged in a different type of cask yep. that had a different tenant in that cask beforehand. Okay. So and they are fun to try and in a flight. And is this all explained like on the box? So if I'm just in the store, I'm looking at these. They I look so similar, don't doing, they? But I can tell by what I'm reading on the box, oh, this one's aged in... Uh, in uh, this kind of cask and so on and so on. Right. right. We stamp each one. So we have the peated cask, which mm-hmm. the liquid was not peated. Right, it was right, not right. cured with smoke. But the cask, the the, it, the tenant of the cask previously was a peaty whiskey. Oh, okay. okay. We gotcha. bottled that and then we filled it with that light, sweet, honey, vanilla, Glenlivet. But it picks up, picks uh, up smokiness. It really yeah. does a nice, light peatiness. Uh, of course, we have the American Oak first fill for that mm-hmm. tropical note for that honey, vanilla, um, that that lighter tone, and then this one's really interesting. The Oloroso, it's 
Spanish oak or European oak that okay. used to have sherry in it. That mm-hmm. sweet, and that's gonna fortified that wine. And yeah, yeah, that maple it. syrupy mm-hmm. scent. I've said it before. It. I haven't met a whole lot of things that have been in a sherry cask that I don't like. Okay, so I'll be picking some of this up. Definitely. Well, well put. <laughs> Craig Vaught is the master of scotch. Uh, and he's here with Glenn Levitt. And uh, wow, this is just terrific. Craig, thank you so Chris, much. Chris, thank you. Ian, thank I appreciate you so it. Much. This is great stuff, and we will be spending a lot of time this year discovering these products. Great stuff. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor, the uh, program that's all about craft beer, uh, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. And uh, we want to thank, once again, Craig Vaughn, the Master of Scotch from Glen Levin, uh, for being on the show with us. Uh, that was recorded at Whiskeys of the World. And I will tell you, Ian, I want to be him when I grow up. That guy was awesome. He was so that cool. Guy. He was there with his cufflinks on. Like, it was the greatest. Like, I was just I was just thinking, see, this is, a, this is how you can be a total professional and still, like, Drink Scotch whiskey. He was every such day. a blast. Like yeah. his 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 whole personality was just huge. Yeah, no, he was he was great, and some some really amazing stuff that we tasted. That was among the best of the whiskeys that I thought that we had yes. at uh, at Whiskeys of the World. It was very very good. So yeah, I definitely want to be him when I grow up. And we have some other segments we'll be bringing along in subsequent weeks here on Sip Smoke and Savor, where we'll be uh, uh, playing back some of the. Some of the really interesting and compelling people I thought that we talked to. We had some really new distilleries that yes, uh, that did. popped up, and I thought we had a lot of fun with that. And we also talked to some guys that I'm looking forward to getting to know a little more, uh, and that's the guys at Man Cave Cigars. Those guys were and so fun. They were very cool, and we've talked about uh, maybe even doing a show live from there. So. Now, we didn't talk about it uh, in, during the interview, which we probably yeah. should have brought up, but they've gone viral with this cap in New Jersey. Oh, yes, they have. Now, this is, so this is Man Cave Cigars. They're in, is it League? City where they're located? Uh, yes. is, is that right? So they're in League City, Texas, and they really created this great viral thing by putting a after he was the NFL player that refused to uh, stand for the national anthem, Yes, uh, Colin Kaepernick of the San Francisco 49ers, after he did that, they put one of his jerseys basically on the ground right as you're walking into the store. Is that right. right. So yeah. you wipe your feet on his jersey on the way in, which <laughs> which you can refuse to not wipe your feet on his jersey if you'd like. Right. Because right. that is the American way. Of course. It's all about having the freedom to express yourself however you would like. That's right. But if but you if look you it up- enjoy Wiping your feet on the Colin Kaepernick jersey. You, you can also do You're it allowed because to do that, that yeah. is also the American that way. That is exactly right. So That's while you don't have about to stand, stand. you yes. don't actually legally have to stand during the uh, uh, during the um, during the national anthem. National yeah. anthem. Sorry, Michael Banner. Yeah. Uh, you also don't have to not wipe your feet on his right, jersey. Exactly. You, the choice is yours. And again, that's what the country's about: is the freedom to make the that's kind right. of choices. And we would hope that this kind of thinking continues to extend into the spirits industry, into the uh, uh, crap brewing industry, and into the cigar industry. But sometimes government does get a little more involved than we would like in terms of telling us what we can drink and what we can smoke and when we can smoke it and what kind of enormous warning labels uh, have to be. I have no problem with the warning labels, by the way, but let's just have them make sense. Put them on the box. Uh, maybe have them um, uh, uh, have to be posted at the place where you buy these things. Let's not have to put a I can banner only, the size of a football stadium on a small cigar. I can only assume the government thinks that if you can't read, you should make it bigger. It's kind of like if I don't speak your language, I just yell at you. I just you. say it louder, yes. It's kind of the same thing, I think. What is that Steve Martin thing where he's talking about being in a taxi in Paris and you say, I'd like to go to the hotel, please? And the driver says, well, He goes, the first thing you do is like you think this will help, you adopt a French accent. I would 
like to go to the hotel. <laughs> uh, so, well, sound is a very important thing, and sound can not only help you communicate with your taxi driver in Paris, but it can also affect the taste of your beer. Say what? The soundtrack at your favorite bar really does matter. If you're not happy with the taste of your beer, uh, some people are suggesting you try changing the soundtrack. According to a new study out of Belgium, music can alter how people perceive the taste and even the strength of beer. Get out of here. According to an abstract, this study, which was led by uh, Dr. Felipe Carvalho of uh, an experimental uh, outfit in Brussels, he co- it was comprised of three experiments. Participants tasted a beer twice and then rated the experience, but each time under the influence of a different sound stimuli. And uh, the participants were not informed that they were, in fact, tasting the same beer. So they're thinking not that it's not necessarily the same beer, that it's another one, but what has changed is the soundtrack. And volunteers at the Music Instruments Museum in Brussels tasted three different beers in a range of styles from pale ales to darks with alcohol content that varied from 4.5 to 8% ABV. They were exposed to three different kinds of background music and asked to taste and rate each beer while listening to each one. Here's what happened. The researchers found that a Disney-style soundtrack... I can show you the world. <laughs> Cause people to rate the beers as tasting sweeter. This entire show was worth it just to hear you do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, wait till I wait till I go into the song from Frozen. <laughs> Not. Uh, no, that that made people think that the beers were tasting sweeter with like that that sort of gentle sort of Disney soundtrack uh, oh. uh, anthem thing. Music that had a deep rumbling bass. People rated the beer as tasting more bitter. And again, remember, they're tasting the same beer they tasted with the other music. The only thing that's changed is the music, right? Uh, The results demonstrate, they say, that soundtracks that had been specifically designed to evoke a specific taste can be effectively used in order to influence the participants' beer-tasting experience. Now, it also says that your individual musical taste may come into play, too. While listening to the the pleasant, you know, Disney-style soundtrack, the participant transfers his or her experiences and feelings about that music to beer that they have to the beer they happen to be tasting. So, for example, if you don't enjoy my rendition of A Whole New World, <laughs> and I'm singing it while you're drinking your beer, it may taste sweeter to you, but it might not be a pleasant sweetness. Uh, it might be more of like a um, kind of a cloying sweetness, and you're like, okay, Cruz, stop singing. I'm trying to enjoy my beer. You know? Just so you know, uh, I'm sipping on a St. Arnold Oktoberfest right now, and every time I think of this, I'm yeah. going to think of you singing. Of I me singing. <laughs> Again, just be so happy I did not go into <laughs> Let It Go sure what, from Frozen. I'm not sure yeah. what I think about it. <laughs> I'm not sure what I think about it, and I did it. So uh, um, so while we're on the theme of uh, beer and sound, legendary hip-hop collective Wu-Tang Clan. That's just got to make beer better. I'm Has sorry. now had the honor of being infused into a draft beer. Kind of. Um, kind of. Yeah. RZA and GZA didn't take a dip in the fermenting tanks or anything. But the finished <laughs> beer from- I think, just so you know. Yeah? Okay, I'm an old Wu-Tang fan. That's Rizza and Jizza. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, see, I've never like talked about Wu-Tang. I've just ah. listened and read. So to me, they're RZA and GZA. No, and that's Rizza and yeah, Jizza. So, all right. Well, they didn't. They didn't take a dip in the fermenting tanks. Uh, what they did was uh, Philadelphia's Dock Street Brewery 
was exposed to Wu-Tang music for six straight hours, the tanks, the finished beer, right? Uh, the resulting brew, which was a golden saison, has been appropriately given the name Dock Street Beer Ain't Nothing to Funk With. Nice. The brewery explains this madness in their press release where they say, we are all a product of our environment, including Riza and Jizza. We react consciously and subconsciously to countless stimuli on the regular. There's the obvious, temperature, light exposure, atmosphere, and the more complicated, rhythm, tempo, volume, etc. Beer is no different. To test this theory, we didn't funk around. The Golden Saison <laughs> made its way into a red wine barrel in a cool section of the brewery where the only sounds to be heard for six months were from a 24-7 loop of Wu-Tang's music uh, via custom-made, custom-fit, house-made headphones. I hope custom, it was from the first album because it was so good. <laughs> uh, the additions of a couple of wild yeast strains uh, changed the game with a new level of tart and funk. The brewery doesn't mention any alternate beers that it may have brainstormed, uh, but you know they do have uh, um, you know they do have some options if they want to name these things. You know, like uh, a B R E A M beer. Beer rules everything around me, right? Uh, or and I love this one. Like I can taste this already. The protect your neck pale ale. So <laughs> nice. so there's your there's your Wu Tang and beer story. That's 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 fascinating. And this is and I remember. Uh, I wish I remembered some of their specific beers, but I spent three years living in Philadelphia. I remember the Dock Street Brewery. They're like a very serious brewery that's I, I, playing you know, Wu Tang to their to their beer, to their beer uh, you know, to their beer uh, kegs. So I don't know. I kind of like this idea. I think that's, that's we, pretty amazing. We've seen in the world of wines where celebrities have become very involved uh, in wines. Everyone from you know Dave Matthews to uh, 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 Maynard James Keenan from Tool all have got their own wines and in some cases even their own wineries. And they're taking it very seriously. Even you know, sports figures, uh, Drew Bledsoe, who's a quarterback for the Patriots and the Cowboys and, and the Bills, I think, um, has his own winery. There's lots of celebrities getting into the wine thing, but we haven't seen so many celebrities. Celebrities and especially musical artists get into the beer thing, and I think that would be so, an interesting. Uh, you know, the question is: Would your marriage? You know? Would your beer be more complex if, say, it was exposed to Herbie Hancock and Sonny Rollins? Oh, see, that is a great question. Like, I what would like to see, yeah, the same, the same beer mm-hmm. aged in barrels, but these were exposed to, say, for instance, a nice classical. Right. What if, uh, what if you did this? What if you took the same beer? You did three sound experiments at one time. Classical on one side, a really nice symphony, yes, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, something really beautiful and, and orchestral. Um, maybe a, uh, a little bit of, uh, in, in the second one, maybe a little bit of you know, Herbie Hancock, like something really sophisticated jazzy. Right. And then in the third one, let's just say Billy Ray Cyrus, Achy Breaky Heart. Over and over. Over and over. Like, what would happen to that? Would that would be a great control. What would happen to that beer, you know? It would taste like Schlitz. <laughs> Bobby, our producer, said it would taste like Schlitz. That's what would happen. Oh. Okay, so Bobby gets the line of the show. Thank you very much. And there we go. Love it, love it, absolutely love it. No, I would love to. I would love to see. Like, could you actually taste the difference? And if so, how long would they have to age listening to the music? Like, I, I, I don't. Yeah, know. And, and yeah. What is the what is the exact time that you age it in that? In that sound, mm-hmm. I I don't know the things. I do know that they used to play like Van Halen and Megadeth to try to drive the terrorists out of their foxholes in the Middle East. Uh. But uh, 
Beyond that, I couldn't tell you. Uh, coming up in our final segment, we will taste this, uh, and I want you to tell the story of this mash and vanilla alcohol beer. I don't even know what to call this it contains stuff. Contains alcohol. Contains alcohol. It says right here on the label. I love it. It's our uh, tasting that's coming up in our final segment. It's sip, smoke, and savor. Welcome back to Sip, Smoke, and Savor, the uh, program that's dealing with uh, uh, craft beers, uh, craft spirits, and fine cigars. Ian now has me because of his correcting me on uh, uh, the RZA and the Jizza from uh, oh, so from you said it right this time. Yeah. Yes. Well, because you correct me, you've, you've now got me all self conscious about my Wu Tang uh, street cred. So uh, that's this is going to affect me. Um, um, yeah, you, know. you came down a notch when you said the RZA. I, I did. Well, you know. Uh, honestly, those are not the the Wu Tang members I pay that much attention to. Next time we go out and shoot guns, you're gonna have to hold your gun sideways. Okay, that's fair enough. I will do that, and I will also play my favorite Wu Tang songs, which feature you know more performances from um, OL Dirty Bastard. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to do that. Uh, it's sip, smoke, and savor. We are sipping and we are savoring, and we, you know, no, don't get smoke on this show because we're in the studio. But we do have a show coming up in about a month where we're going to be at uh, B&B Steakhouse on uh, Washington Ooh. Ave in Houston. Looking and our friend, our friend Jeremiah uh, from B&B is so excited about this that I believe he's taking that afternoon off when we do the show. Yes. So that he can just hang with us and, and drink. So this should be a party. This should be really That good. should be fantastic. So. I believe it's followed by a Balvenie event as well. I believe it is. So uh, <laughs> this is this is what we call timing. It's a it's a providence of timing, and uh, so so I'll bring as, the as the Wu Tang would say, get in where you fit in. <laughs> it's all Wu Tang on the show today. I love it. Um, so uh, what are we tasting here in our final segment, uh, Ian? You brought this beer, and I think you need to tell the story that you told me before the show started about why this particular beer is with right, us today. So we're here in Houston, Texas. And if you're listening to this outside of Houston, Texas, I'll just let you know there's a little place started off as a convenience store called It's an the, awesome place. It's called the D and uh, Q Mart. And uh, Brandon Wynn is the uh, proprietor of this place. And he's an incredibly cool guy. He's into beer. And mm-hmm. I mean, he's into beer in a way that most people don't even understand. <laughs> That's true. That's <laughs> like, really true. When he travels across country, when he goes on vacation with his family, mm-hmm. he brings back tons of beers that you've never tried. Right, right. He brings them back from other you know states, right. places you where you haven't seen them. Yeah, sure, you sure. can't mm-hmm. get this beer here. And it's it's a beautiful thing because it's such a great little place. Um, and, and he brings back beers that you just can't find anywhere else. And um, and uh, and we thank him for that, by the way. Yes. Yes, we yes. do. And his experience and his taste. So I went in the other day and he says, hey man, I listen to your podcast. And I said, hey, that's really cool because I'm pretty cool and you should listen to me. Um, but uh, <laughs> I said, so what am I going to review on the show this week? And he goes, hmm. And he didn't walk towards his coolers. He walked towards the other end of the store. Yeah. And he grabs this giant bottle of the brewery, Mash and Vanilla, and he goes, this is from my private stash. And oh, he hands it to me. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> now, it says the brewery yeah. spelled B-R-U-E-R-Y. Mm-hmm. 
Underneath that, it says contains alcohol. Oh, well, that's good to know. And this, by the way, is an understatement. <laughs> yes. It says mash and vanilla, and I'm going to read the label. It says barley wine style ale, and I love oh, barley, barley wines. You're I a big love, fan of the barley wine, yes. I love barley wines. Uh, barley wine style ale aged in bourbon barrels with vanilla added. We took our classic release, already oaky, um, sticky and sweet from the extensive bourbon barrel aging and amplified the barrel character with the addition of vanilla. This is mm. from Orange County, wow. uh, Orange County, California. Okay. And this is, if you look, remember I said contains alcohol. Mm-hmm. If you look a little towards the side of this, it says alcohol 13.3% Whoa. by the volume. <laughs> and I have a bomber of this in my hand. Wow, right? no kidding. That's huge. So we're going to try this on Brandon Wynn's uh, recommendation this week from D&Q Mart. I'm giving him a shout out because okay. he is one of my favorite uh, He's places just, you to You know what beer. he is? He is a curator yes. of beer. Yes. That's what he is. He's yes. like he really takes it very seriously. He's a and very small section of his store of macro beer, yeah. macro brews. Even uh, though he might not have this particular beer that we're about to sample in his sort of general, you can get it area. You will go in there and find beers you've never seen or heard of That's before right. in right. his supply. And it's not a huge store. It's not like it's this no. big warehouse. He also beers. has the best, and this is a very bizarre thing, but he has the best selection of mead in the entire city that I know of. That's interesting. Like mm-hmm. even bigger than. All the bigger stores, mm. his selection, and my wife loves meat, so that's why that's why I know that. So every yeah. time I go in there, sometimes I have to take a picture of his section and say, "Pick one." <laughs> send her, send her. Your wife text. loves meat, which reminds me, Renfest is coming up. But that's uh, right. All right, let's open that bottle. Oh, that was a good uh, one. Yeah, there we that go. That was a good one. I like it. I like it. I like it. All right, so tell me again what we are, uh, uh, what we're smelling out of the front of this here. Oh. Right off the top, chocolate, raisin, date maybe instead of raisin. Mm. That's a little tough to uh, – man, this smells amazing right out of the bottle. Tons mm. of vanilla. Mm. Digging it. Some of the bourbon-aged uh, scents are coming out of there. It's huge. I love barley wines. They're, it's a big, sticky, sweet beer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's and good. It's, oh. Is that one mine? That's yep, yours. Sorry, that one's mine. <laughs> one of my favorite styles of all time. And uh, and barley wines usually start in the eight and up percentage. Uh, yeah, so. I was going to say they're usually a fairly high alcohol content. Uh, yeah, well, uh, beer the style it's with, right? it's not that they try to make that happen, but the style demands it. You know, to make the a proper barley wine. All right. Well, this is this is gonna be. I can already smell the raisiny smell. Yeah, it's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's huge. really really big. So it's not. It's not sweet in that sort of traditional sweet way. It's in more of that raisin or date sweet. Not, yeah, not like a candy sweet, more a darker sweet, like, mm-hmm. a, like a raisin or date, like you said, that, that kind of thing. Well, I will tell you this. This is not, I'm not the barley wine fan that you are, but Ian, this is delicious. <laughs> this the is chocolate. Just, this is phenomenally a, good beer. There's almost a, a malted caramel Wow, kind of flavor that happens, and this is fantastic. Do I have to move to California to drink this on a regular basis? This is it might be worth it. I know taxes are high, but wow, 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 wow! The brewed and bottled by the brewery, uh, Placentia, California. Dude, this is fantastic. Yeah, the finish on it, the the oak. You can taste the oak on the finish. There's such a, a like a a beautiful dryness to it that just finishes so nice and then it leaves you with that sweetness so you know when you're having a cigar 
that is really hard to explain to people because it's so complex. Yes. It has so many different flavors, but somehow they all like blend together in this way of perfection. And you're thinking, man, the the cigar master that, that came up with this blend, the guy that really sort of perfected this, this guy's a genius because this all works together so well and it's so complex and so many flavors, but it, nothing like overwhelms the other. It's just a perfect. That's what this is, in my opinion, in a beer. This makes me cry a little bit. <laughs> I can see you're, you're getting like, a little misty. Like, like you're getting a little a misty way. there, Ian. Thank you, Brandon, from the D&Q, wow. Mark. This is, this is so amazing. You think Brandon would come on the show and just uh, I bet talk beers with us? It. I bet we could. He, he would be a great guy to have on. I bet on. we could talk about that. He would be a great guy to have on. We have so much to cover in the, uh, in the coming weeks. The uh, Christmas ales will be out any minute now because it's uh, already October. Yes, I so, can't wait. That means Anchor fact, has kind a of Christmas sale. I've seen them already. Anchor you know? has a Christmas sale that's always amazing. Mm-hmm. And my local favorite here is the uh, St. Aug Christmas sale, which I believe one of the ingredients is actually the happiness of a small child. <laughs> I don't know how they managed to get that in the can or the bottle, uh, but yes, it is very. Sorry, good. was that creepy? Did yeah, I say that, that was, out loud? It was a little creepy, but it's all right. You know what I uh, what I uh, really enjoy on the Christmas sale is uh, Sierra Nevada. Sierra they have Nevada a makes Christmas a great sale Christmas that I sale, love. Yeah. In fact, I think they have more than. One, they probably have the happiest label too. Yes, they do. It's it's very you know uh, courier knives, you know horses (laughs) uh, pulling sleds through the snow and and all that kind of stuff. But they're uh, I like I like that brewery in general. In fact, it would be really interesting because that brewery is such a. uh, they're such a landmark of the craft beer yeah. movement. It'd be really interesting to talk to some of their brewmasters. Well, Sierra Nevada was one yeah. of the early ones too. Yes, they were like Sierra Nevada and Anchor Steam were some of the yeah, first yeah. ones to really begin what we recognize today as the craft beer movement. Absolutely, and Anchor Steam's always a go-to oh, to this good, day. Good stuff. And I will say that, um, I, and whenever I'm in, there's two beers, and one is like iconically east coast one is iconically west coast but there's two beers that you can find almost anywhere that are my go-to's whenever i can't you know maybe find a big selection with a lot of sophistication yeah (laughs) but but they would be uh, uh from the east coast it would be uh sam adams boston lager yeah that is yeah, just a. That's a good it's beer. It's always good. It doesn't matter where you get it. It's always good. It's consistent. And from the West Coast, it would be Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Right. That and Pale Ale is just fantastic. You know. Yeah, both of those beers. And sometimes the uh, I think the uh, Sam Adams gets a little bit of a bad rap just because they got so big. But there's a reason they got big. Well, that, that that's, that's a, a fantastic beer. beer. Right. And I will tell you, one of the things from having lived in Boston for a while and having a chance to meet Jim Cook and uh, interview him and do some things and and meet some other guys from that brewery, those guys care. They really do care about the beer that they're crafting. It's not just about what's our market share. They care right. about the actual beer. And that's really cool, I think, which is really cool. So I just want to go back. We've got just a moment left on the show. I just want to go back to this brewery, Mash and Vanilla. I don't even know what this it's is called. What's the, the brewery. name of this? The Brewery. The Brewery. B-R-U-E-R-Y. Well, we'll post a picture of this on the Facebook page. And we'll do that because if you're ever anywhere and you see this, Buy it. And if you yes. don't buy it for oh, yourself, yes. buy it and send us to us. We'll send you a check. Yes, like, that's this right. Is, this is fantastic. <laughs> this is amazing. Wow. This is one of the best beers we've had on the show. Yes. I will say this. Yeah. Bobby, I, thumbs up from you over there? Are you, are you, are you digging this? 
It, it's it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's awesome. Not only do you have the best three uh, out of three the DJs, best singer. Yeah. Not only do you have the best singer on the show, sorry, but that MCs. was that was the that was the wonderful like like earnest response. Sorry to talk to so the much. whole show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we want to thank you guys so much for listening to Sip, Smoke, and Savor. We did a lot of really fun and I feel like informative. Uh, interviews at the Whiskeys of the World event. Those are going to pop pop and up on subsequent up. episodes. Yes, yep. yes, yes, they absolutely will. Uh, and we've also gone to now. Once we record the show, it's available as a podcast the next day and available on Radio Brave the day after. So, so it's available every less, Friday. Less waiting. Available every Friday as a podcast, and it begins airing every Saturday on Radio Brave. So, That's right. thank you guys so much for being a part of the show, uh, for enjoying it with us. If you find this brewery, Mash of Vanilla, that I'm about to put a picture on the Facebook page of. Buy it, buy it, buy it. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Ian? Oh, man. Have a great one. I can't wait. Thanks. This is Radio Brave. Keep listening. It gets even better. Now let's do it up. Radio Brave.